my parents had lost a biological child to polio. And I always thought of myself as a replacement daughter. I have an older brother that's a genius and can't walk across the street. He's lovely. So, you know, I got asked to speak at the American Adoption Congress. And that's all that is, is fractured families. Why did they give me up? What about this? I can't believe it. You know, I can't find them. And Kansas and New Jersey were the last two states that were closed adoption. And I'm from Kansas. So it's just one of those things where I thought, I started realizing what family was. Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers. And Shay, again, we're talking about Act 2, we'll call it, <laughs> with Candy, <laughs> Jeannie, and Tonda, right. our guests that were here a while back now. And we talked about intimacy and vulnerability. Hard thing to talk about. Bad words for some people and for some families. That's right. <laughs> Those are not people's favorites. And always difficult words, it seems, in families. Yeah. And families. And talking about that with whoever you're talking about with, people are uncomfortable with it. But really, Jeannie, Candy, and Tonda open up. We laugh about it. We have an amazing time. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Understanding the Human Condition. We're calling this the family choice, using the bad words, intimacy, and vulnerability. Enjoy. Fascinated with family from being adopted. I spoke in 12-step meetings for my first five or six years, never mentioned that I was adopted. And there was no shame involved in it. I just thought, I got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I got picked by, you know, a really wealthy family in Kansas and there were seven little girls with red hair, and it was like picking tomatoes. My dad said he picked me up. I tinkled on him, and he goes, I'll take her. <laughs> and that was the beginning. Yeah. But, you know, my parents had lost a biological child to polio, and I always thought of myself as a replacement daughter. I have an older brother that's a genius and can't walk across the street. He's lovely. So, you know, I got asked to speak at the American Adoption Congress. And that's all that is, is fractured families. Why did they give me up? What about this? I can't believe it. You know, I can't find them. And Kansas and New Jersey were the last two states that were closed adoption. And I'm from Kansas. So it's just one of those things where I thought I started realizing what family was. It's like mm -hmm. you said. There's not many left except for your nieces. And so you were able to go with Michael and find a family that loved you no matter what. And it's kind of the same way with me. I mean, I felt in some senses more comfortable with my new family and 12-step program because I got to pick them. They got to pick me, but I didn't have much say in it. 
you know. Yeah. And I was kind of always taught, you know, it's look what your parents got stuck with. My parents got to pick me. I'm not sure that was such a cute one. I mean, I used to say it as a little girl. And, but, you know, oddly enough, as I had my own kids, I didn't tell them I was adopted. My mother-in-law made me and I got them Cabbage Patch dolls because they have adoption papers. And it's like, you know, when I would go and speak at the Congress, all of the adoptees were in the middle. They were called peeps. All the adopted parents that had adopted kids were on the right side. And then usually the women and families who had given a child up. And the first thing that the peeps did is they walked in and said, you know, do you have a room we could have a 12-step meeting in? Mm -hmm. Because the percentage is so high, Mm -hmm. we already have Mm -hmm. that hole in our soul that we don't and why. And, and, you know, now there's open adoptions and all of that, which there wasn't when I got adopted in the 40s. So it's really a fascinating thing because adoption is all about creating a family. And as foster, and so I got very confused. I was panicked. I started my alcoholic drinking after I had my daughter because I didn't know what to do with her. You know, I'd had nannies and all of that. And I thought, I have to learn how to live an authentic life. And alcohol was my best friend because it didn't tattle that I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, And then when I was able to get into a family system, of people who, no matter what, would not judge me. And I got judged a lot growing up because I was from such a wealthy family and was a debutante and all the rest of this stuff that didn't matter to me, but mattered to them. So you had to act like it mattered to you. So it was interesting. And, you know, as an interventionist, if I could go in and grab you and take you to treatment, I did my job. But I left this puddle in the middle of the living room that was called family. And I really recognized it more than any other time with the show because I'd spent all this time, not three and a half minutes, but more for like four hours doing a pre-intervention. And then I couldn't have any communication with them. My job was done. I take them to treatment. They didn't care if they had a family program or not. And I insisted and some of them said they did and they didn't. That's why I put a lot of people in Origins because of they had such a, and she was head of the family program. So, you know, it's like you seek what you know works. And I do two small family programs now on Zoom. And it's like there are still people who are taking people to treatment that don't know anything about other than they should, for this amount of money, they better come home well. And wellness is a lifelong destiny. So it's like, you know, that's where I kind of started figuring out how it all worked. And every level of recovery has a family involved in it, whether it's your home group or your community. And Al-Anon, that's why I'm sober. My mother-in-law had a black belt in it. (laughs) And Al-Anon. Yeah, Yeah. I wasn't kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And if you don't, <laughs> you know, one right. of those. Yeah. So I think that the wonderful thing about why we're all sitting here today is we all feel it's possible to get well. Absolutely. We all feel like we know the recipe. Yeah. And but you still got to learn how to cook it yourself. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You well, know, I, I want to mention too, I strongly believe in a multifamily, w- including the client. Now, the one I've 
written and facilitate is the client is there most of the time, but not every single time because I want the families alone. So, but, and they fight with me on that. It's basically, I've done a three day program and I'll tell them that it's designed the first day we think because second day we feel third day we do action. And I'll just say, keep, stay with me, stay with me, trust me, trust me, trust me. And so I do a lot of education the first day. It's not as threatening. It's, you know, and I understand that the mind can only absorb what the butt can take. So mm-hmm. I give them a lot of breaks. But then we do a communications exercise and they don't want to air their dirty laundry in front of one another. They're so full of privacy. And I'll say, you got to trust me. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this a long time. And, you know, and I will help you tweak what you're going to put on your paper to read aloud. You don't have to go tell every family secret. But And I do. They don't say anything on their paper that they're going to say to one another that I don't know what is on that paper. And I guarantee that when we do the family communication exercise, I run it like a dictator. You will not say, no, you start to ad lib and I'm going to jump on you. I'll get out my duct tape. I'll do whatever. (laughs) So what they end up doing at the end, they're exhausted at the end of the communication exercise. But for the first time, they've been able to say to one another things that they've yelled at one another in their kitchen but this time the client is going to be present and not anesthetized by some sort of chemical and then the family is not going to be standing there screaming and self-righteous it's so healing by the end of the day and then i open it up and they can talk among themselves and there's not a mother in that whole group that can't couldn't have sat across from every single one of the other sons there's not a wife or it's like, yeah, the same thing that's happening at your house in Alabama is happening at his house in Maine, happening at her house in Boise, Idaho. And all this time we thought we were the only, the only people. So, you know, it's like the process of identification is the first step in healing. I mean, we all know that in you can have an individual client and not make half as much progress as you can when you put that client in a group process. Because if you're my client and I'm suggesting things, you can argue with me in your head and say, yeah, well, that's just her. But when you say something and the whole group nods and you can't fight with it as much as like, oh, really? Y'all all see that in me? And so by the end of the week, the last day, I say to them, do you feel closer today to these people in this room than you did Wednesday morning when we came in here? And that, yeah. And I said, that's what's called intimacy. When we're vulnerable and honest with one another, we bond. And this is, and they're all collecting each other's phone numbers and things like that. I said, this is a family of choice. But if you'd all come in here and I just talked at you for three days, or that you just had individual sessions with the therapist, you, know, you wouldn't have made as much progress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because it's the humanity of it, the identification. Right. And family is such a crucial part. I think that yes. you guys, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on Understanding the Human Condition. We hope you'll join us for part two and part three with Candy Finnegan and Jeannie Griffin. As always, if you have questions about J Flowers Health Institute, please look us up at www.jflowershealth.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think it could help. Absolutely. And we remind you also that a clear diagnosis is key to the most effective treatment possible. 
Yes, it is. See you next Thanks week. Thanks again, Robin. Thank yep. you.